www.theguide.com slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free time. This is episode 18 of the Paul the Book Guy Show. I'm Paul Alves. I'm Chris Jager. I'm still Greg Ott. <laughs> We're back again, folks. Uh, I just came back, gentlemen, uh, yesterday night from the uh, book launch for Jill Edmondson's new book, The Lies Have It. I almost made that. Yeah, I know. I, heard. I, tried, Party. I tried. Yeah, It's hard to uh, do it with the wife and kids, but the kids... Half of them were on a sleepover, so. And you guys saw I got uh, the whip. Something to take home here, uh, the whip. Yes. So uh, if, if we ever Pass feel the over. need to Pass crack, that over. It, it, it is. Don't hurt yourself, Chris. It is. Yeah. Nothing like a Jill Edmondson <laughs> book launch without a whip. <laughs> Seriously, Chris. Oh, he, text, oh, he texts me last night. He yeah. says, "I've got a whip." I'm like, I, I just, I was with, <laughs> I just got home for dinner with my wife, and I was like. You're not going to believe what Paul just told me. <laughs> She's like, what? He got uh, it, This guys, is pretty cool. It was, yeah. Uh, don't hurt yourself. You, you can uh, open, a, uh, you can open skin. That is a real. I don't life. like the, the line of sight that I'm in because I'm like, I'm going to lose an eyeball or something. Yeah, if you crack okay, okay, okay. I'm putting it down. I'm putting it away. It, it, it was a lot of fun, guys. A lot of people there. Um, uh, Jill did a reading of the new book. I'm going to coil it and attach it to my <laughs> hip a la Indiana Jones. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you do look kind of like, Indi- uh, you know. Perverted Indiana Jones with that whip. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a black whip, not a... <laughs> uh, so uh, I took a little walk around the crowd and uh, had some people chat about uh, Sasha Jackson and Jill Edmondson. And here's a quick clip, guys. Hi, I'm Donna Carrick of Carrick Publishing, and I loved Deadlight District. And I'm really looking forward to reading the next Sasha Jackson mystery by Jill Edmondson, The Lies Have It. I'm here at the launch. She's a good, good at reading. Very, um, not just her, but her MC. I don't know what his name is, but they both have this dry sense of humor. But yeah, she's just really fun. Well, I'm uh, Beverly Stride Cote. Uh, I'm uh, Patricia Cote's mom. I've come from Montreal. I have been looking forward to this third book launch of Jill's. I was here for the second one. I'm a big fan of Sasha Jackson. And I'm looking forward to reading the third book. And I really, really hope that Jill continues to write and explore all these different topics that a lot of us maybe think about from time to time, but are almost too afraid to talk about. My name is Patrick McDonald. I used to live one door over from Jill. And I must admit, it's probably the raciest detective series to come along in quite a while written by one of the raciest detective authors to come along in quite a while. Hi, my name's Alec uh, Carrick, and I think it's wonderful that we've got a slinky, sexy detective, or at least investigator, in Toronto. So, my name is Crystal Morningstar. This is Linda Blanchette. Yeah, I'm Linda Blanchette. Um, We first met uh, Jill at Bloody Word Conference last year. And we got introduced to her books through there. So we came to her second book launch last year. Read the books, loved her. I think she's friggin' awesome, kick-ass, rockin' writer. And yeah, we've been following her ever since. We live in Kitchener. We took the train up, especially to come see her. I like this series because it's realistic. You know what I mean? Like it's an agent that, you know, tells how she feels, does real, you know, realistic things. And and things keep happening to her. And yeah, well, that's, yeah. The that's the thing is she's like friggin' awesome. She's like total kick-ass, doesn't take crap from nobody. Yeah. This is out the crap, and if I were gonna be a detective, definitely would wanna be her, for sure. So, uh, as you can tell, book launch parties, as, as every other book launch party in history, is fueled by rum. Sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that I missed that one. That sounded like it was uh, quite a good time. She she puts on a do, I tell you. Jill, please write a fourth so I can make it. Please, please. <laughs> we promise, Jill, you write a fourth. Greg and I will both be there. I, I like. I'm just reading off the website right now uh, for this for the lies. Have it. I guess we've got our copies now, so we'll get a chance to read it soon. Yeah. But uh, the spank me and shank me cases that uh, Sasha uh, investigates. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Can you expl- ask can, your wife? Can you expl- <laughs> your wife will explain it all to you, Greg. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, Jill Edmondson's "The Lies Have It" uh, out now. And this week, uh, actually, uh, this week I've been reading the Steve Jobs bio. Uh, I was going to take that on last week, but science fiction. 
then 11, 22, 63 showed up. And I finished it in two days. Arrived with a thud. That thing's massive. Yes. Holy shit. Yes. I, many, thought there, I thought it was a package big with like book, 10 books in book. it. <laughs> it was only two books. That is as, yeah, that's as big as some of our, our other shipments where we get like four or five books. That I'm actually surprised because uh, Stephen King wrote this very shortly after uh, Under the Dome. And remember, he's not a James Patterson who has like 30 guys in a bullpen writing his books for him and then you know comes in and puts his name on the front page. And does a little editing. Stephen King writes these from beginning confirmed? to finish. Is it confirmed that Patterson does that? We keep saying that. I know. We, we keep, keep saying, saying it. But absolutely, I mean, he has are, a are team of writers that, it, that it, assist him. Yes. Yeah, but does I've, he have a team of lawyers who are going to come in and accuse us of no? He has a team of writers that assist him. I think this is true. I've, I've come across the we, same thing. Yeah, yeah. we do, right. we do the research. We do the research before we we most of the times we do the most research. of the time before before the libel lawyers before we defame anybody. Sometimes we might need a microphone built into the chair because we're talking out the wrong orifice. Not, get, not in uh, this case. We have to get half our facts right. That's right. <laughs> the title of the book uh, references this. Here is a bulletin from CBS News. From Dallas, Texas, a flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Some 38 minutes ago. That's uh, Walter Cronkite breaking down on air. Uh, 112263 references November 22nd, uh, 22nd 1963, uh, when President JFK was assassinated. And, uh, guys, the, the books, uh, if you look at the front page, it's got the actual new, uh, newspaper from that day. If you flip to the back of the book jacket, it's got a different. It's cover. got a different yeah. cover. It's very. That's very well done. It's very well that's done. Very and if you, if you look at it at the front, you really don't see, well, okay, maybe it's another JFK book. Uh, it's a story starts off, uh, you meet Al, uh, a gentleman named Al, who owns a diner. Can anyone guess what the name of his diner is called? The diner at the end of the universe. Al's Diner? Very good. Oh, Al's oh. Diner. Uh, Stephen King usually does uh, you know, horror and a little bit of science fiction, mostly horror. In this case, he uses a plot device that's so simple that the, there's no technology involved in it. Uh, he, it just, he gets it out of the way really quick. Here it is. We don't know why it's there. And begin story. So Al discovers that there's a portal in his pantry that leads to a specific day in 1958. Now, the, I don't remember the date, and it's not really relevant to the story, but it's whenever you find this spot and you can step down these invisible stairs, you're in the same day, starting again, the same spot that you were for every trip you make. And it's what he decides to do with this that is just so, in my mind, it's comical. It, it's it's absolutely comical what he does it's, because there's people who would do nefarious things and yet he does. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil what he does. I'm okay, not gonna spoil. It. Does, it's, okay, it's but he does to the plot line. It's just <laughs> yes, it's he so does cool, this mundane but. thing with time travel that you never would have thought of. Only the warped, twisted mind of Stephen King would think of. So he, he's doing all these trips to the past, and uh, again, always the same day. And he finds out that every time he returns to the past, the past is reset. So he, he knows that the same two ladies are going to be, you know, squeezing the melons in the grocery store. The guy at the grocery store is always going to have sort of the same conversation every time with him. Place looks the same. But he finds that he can make changes. Like he'll go back in time and he'll, you know, scratch his name on a wooden board. And then he'll come back to the present, 2011. And he'll go check out the store. And he'll, wow, my name's scratched in the board. Then he does a return trip. The name's gone off the board again, so he figures it's safe to go back and, and change things. Al eventually, through like hundreds of trips to the past, decides he's going to go back to 1958. He's going to stick around for the uh, you know five and some odd years, and he wants to save President Kennedy from being assassinated. He finally gets it in him. That's what he's going to do. He's going to stay and live there for five years and do this. And as we often say, and hilarity ensues. And hilarity ensues. Well, unfortunately, in this case, the hilarity that ensues is that just as he decides he's going to make this trip, he finds out that he's dying of cancer. So he can't make that final trip. And that's when he, um, I actually remember a name without consulting my notes for once, uh, Epping. He meets Jake Epping, who uh, he sort of uh, schools on the whole thing and uh, basically just shoves him through the portal and says, look, there's no, you know, he doesn't take too much time trying to explain that he can tr travel through time. It's like, Hey, dude, check this out. <laughs> you know, pushes him through to 1958. Uh, King spends a lot of time with this day in 1958, and uh, he really puts you in 1958 and all the differences between um, then and now. 
and uh, you, you know, I'm not a big, uh, big on historical fiction, but uh, I never realized there were so many differences between the life in 2011 and 1958. So he's, he, he, Jake does a couple of trips, a little uh, kind of putting his foot in the water, and eventually he does uh, embark on this journey to try to save JFK. Uh, along the way, he, uh, he falls in love with a girl, which, of course, always complicates things. And, uh, always. Always. I, I'm not, <laughs> always. 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 <laughs> I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to tell you if he saves JFK, but uh, that is his mission. He goes on it. And um, sometimes, folks, when you uh, try to change, uh, like any other time travel story, the best of intentions. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, Paul, you're an aficionado, I'd say, of uh, King's uh, literature. Right, you've read a fair bit. Of his I've stuff. read a fair bit of his stuff. Yes. How does this one stand up in the canon? Is this uh, is it's, it best work? Is this his worst work? Is this or is it the Goldilocks right in the middle? If you were to put someone else's name on the book cover, I probably wouldn't say. Wait a minute. I think Stephen King wrote this. This is okay. uh, a departure from Nothing his horror. Nothing particularly stylistic about the it. only thing that might give him away is you know some p- times people get a, a small wound or whatever, and it's described very well. <laughs> You know, like he's probably just, you know, sitting in the back dying to, you know, describe some gore, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's a complete departure from what he normally does. Uh, doesn't get science fiction-y. Like I said, all there is, go in the pantry, you walk down the invisible stairs, you're in 1958. That's it. Uh, of course, later, there is some explanation in the story, but uh, that would kind of spoil things. And, I, you know, I enjoyed finding out. Uh, what was going on uh, so much that I don't want to spoil it for the All constant right. listeners. Uh, time travel story, but again, I'm always interested in, you know, there's only six kinds of stories. So this is, you know, Stranger Comes to Town. This is... Um, this is Boy Meets Girl. This is Boy Meets Girl. No kidding. Yeah, I think at its core, this is Boy Meets Girl. It really is. I, I, I actually, I, I think I wrote in, in, the, in the review I put on the site was that it's, uh, I like to call it modified historical fiction. Yeah. As in it's historical fiction. And Al from Al's Diner, Diner wants to modify the, yeah, the history. It's, it's, this is speculative it's, fiction and it's a sort of technical definition. Yeah, you know, this is the kind of thing that you, you, you would uh, uh, expect from uh, like Margaret Atwood in her uh, writing science fiction. But, you know, trying not to say that she does because it's, you know, <laughs> she doesn't, never wants to call it sci-fi. King does a great job with this historical fiction. It comes out on Tuesday, November the 8th. Uh, I, w- I would say if you're a fan of Stephen King, uh, don't walk, run to this bookstore Run to your iPad, your Android tablet, download it. See, this is tough. I've got you know the doorstopper book that you know that came in. Now, now you've reviewed it, and now I can't come back next week and review it. So, well, you can come back and give your opinion. Absolutely, yeah, I got to read something you else. Said it, you said it best once in one of our first shows. It's our show. We can do whatever the yeah, hell we yeah, want. Yeah, it's true. We can do whatever we want. I just feel obliged that I've got to come up with you know new material for everybody. It is quite a tome for your first Stephen King novel, I got to say. And this say. is the other thing, too. You might want to I'm not start a Stephen King guy. I, short I story. I've, read, I've read The Dead Zone you know, when I was like a teenager, though. So that was a long, long time. I'd, I'd look up the, uh, you know, I would look up the short story book. Uh, the, I forgot what the, he titled it. but The ones he ri- wrote uh, under the name Richard Bachman. Mm-hmm. I'd start with the story, maybe The Body, mm-hmm. that Stand By Me, the movie was uh, mm-hmm. based on. Mm-hmm. I'd start with one of those, or The Running Man. <laughs> Something, you know. 70, 80 pages. The trouble pages. is I've seen all these. Like, they've all been made into movies now. So I've seen yeah, all the and movies. And not, not all of them great. <laughs> I know. And not all of them great. So it would be tough, to, I think. To the Long that, Walk uh, is a good one, too. They're still know. making The Dark Tower. Again, here. <laughs> they're still making We're, still still we're not doing book news yeah, yet. We're not, so, I, yeah. And I didn't want to bring it up as a, as a full issue. But as soon as we're just talking King. Yeah. Might as well throw well, it in. Well, Might yeah, as well just throw that in there. I mean, you could throw it in every week. Hi, and, and Ron still Howard is still shopping around. <laughs> Ron Howard is, he, you know, he's really... Uh, and Brian Grazer. Yeah, he's really into doing this. I think he wants to uh, put a golden cap on his career that says Dark Tower on it. Yeah, they wanted to, they reduced the, the, their expected budget so that hopefully they'll be able to lure somebody. So well, a production there you go. So why don't we get into... Book News. So I've got a quick one, Greg. Uh, two, quick. two quick ones for you. Hmm. Who can do theirs quicker? Oh, I can. My, mine's are really quick. Rock, paper, scissors. No, no, First, no, no. I'm going to stand in the studio with a big checkered flag and wave it. <laughs> These were actually handed to me by Terry the Toy Guy. Terry the Toy Guy. Through a press release that he got. Um, two kids' books coming out soon. Who wants kids' books? <laughs> First being the kids' version of Go the Fuck to Sleep by Adam Mansback. So they are making a version of this book Did that is get, safe for children to read. Okay, that's, that's go the frack to sleep. Yeah, yeah well, yes, it has Cylons Star in it. Version. <laughs> the second one being 
The Kids Bio of Steve Jobs by Karen Blumenthal. Uh, this one is going to be written for uh, children aged 12 to 18. I would buy both of those. It's called Steve Jobs, The Man Who Thought Different. I, I like the thought of both of those. They, they both have their spot in, in a bookshelf. Um, and I think that actually my, my kids are the exact right age to know that. I, I really want my daughter, uh, Rebecca, to, to understand what a difference Steve Jobs made in the world. I mean, she's growing up in a world that is... I, I have to be honest with you, uh, calling myself a book guy like we all do, but I can't remember ever as a child reading a biography made for children. It's unique. You know? I, my daughter has a, she has a book that has like 50 celebrities and what they did properly. So it actually has uh, Zuckerberg and uh, it has Steve Jobs in it, but they're very small biographies. It's like single, okay. single page Single page things, yeah. And, and none of them are, are t- deceased people. They're all current celebrities. So this is... But yeah, I, I got the, we got those two from uh, Terry O'Hare from The Bloom Report by Philip Bloom. So. Mean, those are awesome. I'm, I'm interested in both of those. Yeah, sincerely, no, we're gonna we're gonna see if we can get a copy. And, uh, check it I, out. I like that too. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I've got um, Amazon Kindle, uh, the the Kindle Fire that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, they're just sweetening the pot, and they've announced that they're going to start a book rental service for Amazon Prime subscribers. Now, this doesn't really affect us because you know, kind of being in Canada, we get the shaft on everything and all the. All the agree- the licensing agreements that they have don't particularly apply in Canada. All the great online stuff never makes it up to Canada. No, right. no. So I mean, let's just for the benefit of our American fans and, and listeners, uh, basically, if you have the, uh, this is just basically to sweeten the pot of the Amazon's uh, seventy nine dollar per year Prime subscription. So in addition to your free two day shipping and uh, all the other uh, online content that you're privy to, you're also going to be able to rent one book per month. Borrow. Not borrow, rent. borrow, borrow. That's right. It's borrow. Yep. It's borrow. Yeah. So anytime you want to return it, there's no return due date, but you get one per month. So that's basically twelve free books a 12 year. Twelve free books a year. For that's not a bad thing. You don't get to keep them. You don't get to re reread them. Nope. I, I heard the selection's pretty good too. They're going to give. They're not going to give you like the back catalog. You're going to get uh, bestseller list uh, stuff. Yeah. I heard that the that it's limited, but. Yeah. Decent. Yeah. It's 5,000 yeah. titles, but not shite. Right. So there we go. That's, that's And this is the kind of program that if it works and you know garners readers and gets prime memberships, it'll only expand. So. Right. And this is something that makes is going to make this one. This is why I say this will work. The Vox is not going to work. The Vox? The Kobo Vox. Okay. The Kobo Vox. Their, their okay, color well, tablet. Post-Christmas show, we're going to have to see what... Uh, what the fire sales are, Kindle fire sales yeah, we are. Have to see, we, we're going to have to see what are people willing to pay $79 per year. I know. I mean, it's I a mean, yearly subscription. $79 per year is not that much, but it is a lot in one lump sum. You know, I, if I, World of Warcraft is currently doing this where they're, they're asking you to subscribe for a year, but you get benefits. And I don't know what the... I don't know if this is going to work. Is What's your monthly on, on WoW? 14. 14 to 15, depending on if you, again, you buy it in chunks, hey, you they, get a discount. Yeah, right? that's so 15 it. a month. If, if 15 a month, 70. If you, if you pay for six months, it's like twelve fifty or something like that. $13. I like the bulk buying. Now, now I'd have to, we'd have to look into this a bit more because if, uh, if your credit expires at the end of the month, like because uh, I, I might read uh, hardcovers, actual dead tree books for a while, and then decide I want to buy an ebook. I don't want the two months of uh, Amazon uh, free ebooks in the Prime membership to disappear. So may- maybe we'll take a look at this Prime membership a little bit uh, more in depth next week and uh, yeah. just compare it to some of the other uh, services. I'm pretty sure it's not available in, in Canada. But I mean, w- one thing to consider is you can still go to your library and borrow a book. On have, your e-reader. Have any of us actually tried this yet? I no, keep I have, meaning I to, not. but uh, I, I definitely want to try it. investigate that. I, I, I've been discussing with my, my friend Teresa. Uh, a librarian. Runs, a librarian. And I want to find out from her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually, I think she's at my house right now uh, with my wife. Uh, I'm going to discuss with her if the school board is actually ever going to get into digital distribution. 
Right. That that would be a genius. They should do that. I mean, I mean, got kids walking around school be, with iPods and iPads. It's a massive Android tablets. Once once the, there's more penetration for the digital uh, actual consumption, why would they take up the space for all these books right. and have someone administer them? And, and right have when, them when so, someone could develop a system that would just run itself now now I don't know I don't know if she's going to be into that because it might uh, replace her library <laughs> I, okay librarians at a school do a lot of things other okay. than librarian okay if somebody spills a grape juice on uh, on a library book they replace that for, for 12 bucks if somebody spills their grape juice on their iPad they're replacing that at 500 bucks a throw yeah, but that's not their iPad I'm not saying provide them the iPads I'm saying provide them the service the, the service I see. You want to digitize a uh, Toronto School Board curriculum? I think it's fa- a fantastic idea, personally. It's, it's coming. Yeah. It's just who wants who wants to jump in the pool well, first? Not that and I want to jump. Who, which toe do you put in first? Not that I want. Maybe to... you start with the library and then you work with the textbook, or do you go with the texts and well, then go to the periodicals? Again, not or... that I want to go too far off the topic, but I know that uh, you know people who do you know training and education with uh, say autistic kids. Right. Uh, they work miracles with iPads. You know these yeah. kids. You can put you know. Uh, a set of blocks it's on a easy, table yes. and the kids won't won't look at it but if you put an iPad on the table in front of one of these kids they go to it like a magnet yeah so I've heard, I've heard that I have a friend I play well, ball with well not to mention the fact that uh, uh, the uh, the curriculum is updated uh, yearly and yet the textbooks are not in some cases updated yearly so you're if your child ends up on the third year of the curve and they're getting new textbooks next year they're getting three year old books or ten year old books I mean the classic pen, example know. right now of course is they're reading textbooks that have Pluto as a planet. I right. mean, not that that really, not that Again, that's it, really going to yeah, make that big of a it's difference. It's a minor, but it's, right. but it's an example. I'm just of saying that, that it'd be easily updatable with uh, new information. And the way the technology is going now uh, so quickly that teaching kids about Sony Walkmans, you know, is not going to make sense. Three years later, there's iPods, iP- you know, and five years from now, the iPhone in your pocket or the, the Android or Blackberry in your pocket is going to be archaic. So, so give, I, each, give each school a cloud, build these things into a desk, you know, give them Bluetooth keyboards, and yeah. uh, you know, make the curriculum, uh, put it on the intranet, the school intranet. <laughs> Can you That's, pay for it? Do I have to? That is the future soon. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Listen, that, just don't do it with my taxes. That's the future soon right there. <clears throat> Bless you. Thank you. Oh, I have one more new book coming out. Uh, this is an interesting one. And... Uh, oh, It is called SEAL Team Geronimo, and is being written by former SEAL Commander Chuck Ferrer. Of course, um, he has some experience with uh, SEAL teams, and he, he claims to have talked to some insiders on this mission. Right away, the, a red flag was up in my head. If you're SEAL Team 6 and you killed Bin Laden, you don't talk to anybody about the mission. So right away... Weren't they shot down <laughs> in, a, in a helicopter afterwards? There were. Uh, I looked actually looked into it when I saw this story, and... Uh, there were members of SEAL Team 6 uh, that died a few, was a few weeks after the raid. They claim not the exact same uh, SEAL Team members. But uh, he writes a book about this. According to him, he has spoken with some people in the SEAL Team that did the, did the deed. And uh, he has some uh, insight into the mission, which he claims only lasted 90 seconds. Uh, which isn't right away. That's in contrary to the White House's claim of a 40-minute raid. Yeah. And he says there's no raid in SEAL Team history that's, you know, took 40 minutes. The reason you call the SEAL Team in is because you want to get in and out in 90 seconds. <laughs> he claims they landed the helicopter on the roof. So there's, a, there's enough controversy here uh, in what he's saying as compared to what we've been told about this, which is very little, that uh, it could make for an interesting short book. And it is a short book. It's 240 pages. Uh, also coming out next Tuesday, November 8th. Uh, from uh, St. Martin's Press. Could be interesting. Book. I have a short book to review. Do we want to do that? We can do that. All right, cool. I did the World of Warcraft uh, Wolfheart by Richard A. Kanak. You. Oh, hang on. We got it. We actually have a, a jingle for this. You have a jingle. We have a jingle for this. Video games. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I'm stunned. <laughs> All right, I'm holding up a nice uh, novel, Wolfheart by Richard A. Kanak. It's uh, another in the series of the World of Warcraft novels. Um, many of you remember that I brought a Richard A. Knack. I wonder if that K is silent. Hmm. Okay. I'd go with silent on that. Silent on that? Yeah, Knack. Yeah. Knack? Mr. Richard, I'm very sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Uh, decent book. Uh, it tells a story of um, 
King Varian Rin of Stormwind, human character on the Alliance side, uh, how he starts off as a, as a bastard and uh, basically votes against the inclusion of the Worgen into the Alliance. The Worgen are the new class that were introduced after the Cataclysm. Um, hey, last time we did a World of Warcraft one, I went way too long and it got choppity chop, 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 chop. So I'm going to try this a little faster. <laughs> For those of you people who thought that my last World of Warcraft book was really short, it was not. <laughs> so it got. So I went to my shed and I got my saw and I started to choppity chop, 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 chop. Chop, 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 chop. There's some cutting room floor stuff. Oh, there's a lot of cutting room floor. We had a whole conversation about World of Warcraft that got cut up. But anyways, this happens post-cataclysm. It involves uh, the inclusion, uh, the vote for the inclusion of the Worgen into the Alliance initially. Which King- ones are the Worgen? What do they look like? Well, they're, they're, the- they're the werewolves. Oh, they're the werewolves, right. They're the okay, werewolves. Okay, okay, so King, right, right. King uh, Gen Greymane basically walled up his people behind a wall to uh, keep the people keep the horde out and the end um oh, i'm gonna get i'm gonna get beaten up by lore girt <laughs> geeks but anyways they've been walled up and that's why we haven't seen them in the last five years or hundreds of years in the story when the cataclysm came the wall broke now they're out they want into the alliance so that they don't have to fight against the horde and deathwing right they want king, in on the action they want in king's king of uh stormwind votes against them initially i'm gonna say this it's it's very formulaic because then they you know they go some things happen there's this, there's the rescue there's there's the common interest and all of a sudden they're best friends again Greymane and and Varian Rin and then at the end you know there's a culminating battle where he comes in and saves the day the it's boss very, battle okay the boss battle well the boss battle at the end okay it's a battle for Ashenvale, which basically the Horde is trying to take over Ashenvale because it's one of the last resources of, of last grand resources of wood in, on on uh, Azeroth. It also has to do with um, another character called Jared Shadowsong and May, and his sister Maeve, or Maeve, okay. who guarded Illidan, Illidan the Betrayer, who is Malfurion's brother. You know what? It's a decent book. I have to ask the the, the question. Do. It's a World of Warcraft uh, it's a World book. Of Warcraft book. Will it appeal to someone who plays the who who's? Uh, it sounds like you have to be very invested in the or, or have knowledge pre knowledge of the lore. As you say the, that as with the last one, I would say that this one is better. But unlike the other one, I think this is a better standalone book than uh, Stormrage. Okay. Okay, my question is, do World of Warcraft players take value out of the books that they bring back to the game, or is this purely a sideline? That's a very good question, and I'm glad you you asked me that, because it does work, because some of the characters, such as Jared, Shadowsong, and uh, Varian Rin, Prophet Velen, some of those storylines are woven into the game as well. So you're, so getting, you are you're gonna, getting knowledge about the game, You are right? going to see Jared in... It's, it is side. It's kind of like what they did with the Matrix, and then the Matrix game, and then the Matrix comic books... You know, right. it is very well threaded. I will okay. give I will give them that. I think that the, that they do work really well with the the game developers, and, and okay. obviously there is a a good underlying story. I think what happens is the game developers give them some characters to play around with and say these ones are yours, but at the end they have to kind of end up like this. Where they have because to this stay is what in canon. With yeah, the, this is with what we're going to do with them in the game, but in the meantime, you can. There is an orthodoxy here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a decent it's a decent book. Uh, my criticism is it's a little formulaic. I could see it coming a mile away, and it, and it is kind of short. So Wolfheart, Wolfheart, Richard, go, Richard. A. Knack, Knack, yeah. Knack. We can play a really short uh, clip from the Audible book. Sounds great. The cage beneath the tangled tarp rattled. The dim illumination of the wind blown torches was insufficient to reveal what was happening, but the nerve scraping wrenching of metal gave Brilne enough warning. Spears up front. Hurry, you awful. The right side of the cage. Two guards, either more impetuous or more foolish than the rest, moved in closer. From his angle, Brilm could not make out everything that happened next. But he saw enough. The foremost orc prodded the cage with his spear. The next instant, something snagged his weapon and tugged both it and him through a tear in the tarp. As that happened... The second orc instinctively lunged forward to aid his vanishing comrade. Something thick darted through the tear. The orc was too slow to realize his danger. 
he was plucked from the gangplank as if weighing nothing. Before his fellows could reach him, the massive appendage crushed the guard's torso, flesh, bone, plate armor, and all. The gore splattered those farther back. The hand threw the limp, ruined body aside, then retreated into the covered cage. From within there immediately came a cry from the first warrior, apparently left alive for the moment. Orcs with long, thick spears quickly lunged toward the spot as Brilne raced up to join them. Two guards thrust, but the captain knew that it was already too late. Shrieks that almost stopped him in his tracks echoed through the Northrend port. The utter fear in those cries could be felt as well as heard. There was little that could shake an orc's resolve, or even draw up in one anything resembling terror. But what had been captured at already so much cost was more than capable. A horrific, crushing sound punctuated the shrieks. The orcs near the opening stepped back as something liquid sprayed them. A ghastly stench immediately followed, filling their noses. Spears! Spears! Brown roared again as he neared. The captain looked up. The torchlight enabled him to see the rip in the tarp and the bent bars. Those bars had been forged strong. Even with all his might, the gargantuan beast had been unable to do more than pull the bars just a little farther apart. Unfortunately for the two guards, that had been quite sufficient. Paul the Book Guy is brought to you by Audible. Go to paulthebookguy.com slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. I didn't listen to this one. I actually read it. The book's right here on the table. I hope you did. <laughs> <laughs> where, where did the headphones plug in? <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to uh, take a quick break because we're about the 30-minute mark, and uh, we're going to come back and talk to uh, Nancy Nagel and Phyllis Johnson. My name is Brigadier General Fred Bigelow. I'm in charge of an organization called Personnel Family Support Services, and uh, we're all about supporting our troops. And if you'd like to get on board with supporting our troops, you can check out www.supportingourtroops.ca. It's been my real pleasure to be on board with Paul tonight on Paul Book Guy. Hi, this is Orson Scott Card. I'm the author of Ender's Game and The Shadow Books, and you are listening to Paul the Book Guy. And with us on the line are Nancy Nagel and Phyllis Johnson, the, uh, the dynamic duo, uh, writers of Inkblot, the novel. Hey, Paul. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Phyllis. This is Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, guys. This is Greg. We have the whole crew is here. Hello, Greg. Great. Now, now, ladies, how how did you two meet, uh, and and how did you get started on this novel together? Sure, I'd be happy to tell you. Um, Phyllis and I happened to meet at a writers' club in Chesapeake, Virginia, and it was my first meeting um, at the Chesapeake Romance Writers, and Phyllis was one of their members, and I was going to be going to D.C. that following weekend to a conference, and Phyllis said. Hey, that sounds really cool. Do you mind if I come along? And uh, I said, absolutely. So we went to the conference, not knowing each other from Adam, uh, but got to know each other really <laughs> well over that weekend. And actually, that's when I first learned about Inkblot, was on that trip. Phyllis, why don't you tell them about that? Yeah, tell us about it, Phyllis. So, Phyllis, was the uh, initial idea yours? Yes, I had taken an Inkblot survey test online, and... As I took the test, the images, I thought the images and the questions got weirder and, and maybe slightly perverted, some of them, as the test went along. And I was entering my thoughts and everything, and, you know, they ask you all these questions about yourself before you take the test. And something clicked in my head, and I thought, wow, what if somebody used all this information against people or did something with the information? And then from there, the different inkblot images, um, in my mind, I was spinning crimes that could revolve around different images that I saw and that's how the book was born yeah and as while reading the book I, I kept uh, kept thinking of the uh, the connection with Facebook and how people are sort of doing the same thing there 
without the the Rorschach, uh, Rorschach check. Uh, I can't even say Rorschach. Can anyone pronounce that? Please? Rorschach. Thank Is that you. how it goes? I, I don't know. Rorschach. Rorschach. Was Rorschach, like uh, Horschach from. But the, there are a lot of uh, a lot of connections with Facebook. We had a line in the book about it being like rhyming with Horseshack, and then we were like, oh, yeah, we're showing our age. <laughs> yeah. That's Horseshack. Welcome, yeah. welcome back, Cotter, from Nam's. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, so you, you two met, and uh, uh, Phyllis uh, had this idea about the ink blots, and then you got together. And now, how, how does that work, two, two writers? We're all dying to know. How does the collaborative process work? Are you going to give us your secret? Sure. The big secret was that uh, we, we actually passed it back and forth, and we didn't work on it at the same time. So Phyllis sent me her first drafts. I jumped in, created some new things, tidied it up a little, and then sent it back to her. And we went back and forth like that for several months until the story actually started kind of taking on the whole book format. And then we did um, do a couple of escapes escape weekends um, where we would spend time together and walk through the whole book and kind of look for plot holes or or timing problems but um, it was really fun because since we passed the whole story back and forth when you got it back you didn't know what was going to be there. there there was no heads up <laughs> well that's kind of scary too i mean your you know co-collaborator could be editing out or, or overwriting your favorite bits i mean was there any conflict that way <laughs> or any broken telephone where there's storylines that you wanted to to extend but that didn't get uh, written in well there there were a few things like i had a few crimes that i thought were didn't have any gaps or whatever and she would question the credibility of of something, you know, whether or not readers would believe this could happen or whatever. I had a couple of crimes like that. And I was like, oh, but what about such and such a crime? Oh, no, you can't use that because whatever. It was like a test running it by her. It was good to run it by somebody else to see whether or not the validity would come through, you know. Right. It's it's almost like having your own personal editor working with you. (laughs) Or your own uh, writer's club. Right. We were sort of like each other's editor, which is good. It was like we decided two, two heads are better than one there and, well, and I think there were things like when she, when she threw in the snake and the tattoos I was like oh wow wait a minute you know so but don't they work <laughs> yeah we pushed each other out of our own comfort zone several times I think <laughs> especially with the tattoo stuff Phyllis was not jazzed about adding the tattoo stuff but when I started writing about crown tattoo and king i just fell in love with that character immediately so um i was really glad that she started falling in love with him too ah <laughs> uh, yes I, I think it worked really well with the whole um uh, Rorsch- i can't say it chris please <laughs> Rorschach. <laughs> we're gonna go with the with the Rorschach. <laughs> i can just say horse shack we will, uh, the, the the tattoos worked with the whole horse shack thing yeah 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 definitely <laughs> now are, are you two working on anything uh, currently together or separately Oh, I think uh, I think together is the the main question. Is there yes. going to be another uh, collaborative uh, book? Yeah, there'll definitely be another collaborative book, and um, we already had a couple other stories. We had we had kind of started saying that we were going to write what was going to be called the Headline Hunters um, series. Don't know if that'll stick or not, but we had a couple stories already sketched out even when we were writing Inkblot. Um, but since we finished Inkblot, there have been a lot of new. Um, questions that have come from readers about Ronnie and Tiffany and how some things might continue from there. So that really might be the next one that we go ahead and finish instead of those others that we had already started. I think their, their <laughs> interest in what happened to different characters will, could sort of lead the, the path in a different direction than some of those we had sketched out. Yes. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing uh, you two collaborating again on a novel. And I know Nancy, uh, we, we chatted a bit, uh, or Sir, Sir Jimmy and I did yes, last week, uh, about uh, Sweet Tea and Secrets. And I, I just yeah. want to ask you, how, like, are you from a small town? Well, you know, I was born and raised in Virginia Beach, but my husband and I live in a small town out here in Virginia, and I just love it. It's funny because when we first moved to the country, I kept my house in Virginia Beach thinking that I might want to go back. But you couldn't drag me kicking and screaming now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, my books are all small town stories. And I've always had a real kind of romantic love for small towns. No matter where I go, you know, Texas, California, even in California, when I was staying in Burbank, my condo ended up have being, having a horse ranch right behind it. I can always find those elusive little places. So 
Yeah, I was really excited to write some small town stories with characters that had a real heart around family and community and could kind of remind us about that back-to-basics stuff, you know, good faith and trust. Was uh, Sweet Teen Secrets the first of the Adams Grove novels, or are there others in the series planned or in the works? That was the first in the series and my debut novel, my very first foray to the public. Um, the second is Out of Focus, and that one comes out on November 14th. Oh, we'll look forward to that as well. Yeah, sure. That's coming Scott up quick. Calvin from the first book from Sweet Teen Secrets has a much bigger role in Out of Focus. So folks should remember him and, and be excited to hear how his story plays out. Do you plan on continuing the relationships between the, the girls and, and all the other characters? I do. And, you know, the stories are not connected as much by the characters as they are by the town. So, you know, all of the mainstay stuff, you know, the, the bakery and, <laughs> and the flower right. shop and all those things show up again and again, but different people will come in and out of the stories. Mary Claire, who's the Down Syndrome artist, will also have a much bigger role in another book that I'm working on in the series, too. And I'm really excited to tell her story. And uh, is there somewhere where we can uh, find all this information, lists of your books? The people can, yeah. uh, the constant <laughs> listeners can consult? Yes, nancynagel.com, N-A-N-C-Y-N-A-I-G-L-E. And uh, I keep all my information up there, but I'm also very active on Twitter and Facebook. And I'd love to have people connect with me there. And uh, ladies, is there a site for the Inkblot novel? Yeah, it sure is. Inkblotthenovel.com. Excellent. You can find my information at um, phyllisjohnson.net. I'm working on um, a book of monologues for teenagers called Just Me. And um, repackaging my poetry book, Being Frank, with Anne. I've licensed a photo of Anne Frank to go on the front of that. So that'll be coming out in the near future. Excellent. And uh, we can follow you on Twitter. Uh, we have actually uh, listings of your books on the site as well, uh, along with all the other uh, members' uh, books. So, folks, if you go to paulthebookguy.com, you can also find Nancy and uh, Phyllis's stuff. Uh, thank yeah, you very much well, for joining us today. Oh, there, Paul. I think, you know, we need to say something about you reading a romance, don't we? Romance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. I did read a romance. <laughs> that, that's correct. That and would. So, so, Chris and Greg, how many romances have y'all read? Uh, that would be a big zero. I'm going to go. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to uh, cop out and tell you that uh, all the information I got was from my wife, who enjoyed the book but read it in the tub. Because <laughs> it is it is a tome for the tub. And fed me the questions. <laughs> so. He was dodging that. He was staying quiet on the line on purpose, wasn't he? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, Out of Focus is not a romance. It's more of a women's fiction, but it's a journey around this gal trying to relocate or find her son who was missing from an accident. So maybe you can just dip your toe in the at least women's side of things. Absolutely. <laughs> Are there zombies, lasers, or swords? <laughs> I think Greg's looking for a zombie romance I'm novel. I'm looking for anything other than Believe World me, Warcraft zombie. book next. <laughs> Believe me, Greg, I've read one, and it's one of those books that we read so that other people don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> we've got one of those coming up to this uh, later on in the show. Uh, You're forgiving, Greg. <laughs> thank you. Oh, tell tell the readers not to forget we are our pen name is Johnson Nagel for Inkblot. And then, ladies, I'd love to have you on sometime as a co-host. I mean, it's just so much fun talking to you. I just, I'd love to have uh, either one or two of you on with uh, Greg and Chris and myself to chat books one day. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much, ladies. Have a great evening. Thank you. Thanks okay. for coming on the show. Talk to you soon. Okay. <laughs> I got to say, during the break, we were... Uh, uh, between segments, uh, we were having a lot of fun with the whip. I want to thank Jill Edmondson. <laughs> we're going to try to get her on for next week's show. We all still have all. We, we all still have our eyes, which I'm grateful for. Barely. I wanted a video of you blocking your face like a girl. <laughs> it was hilarious, Jill. It was the best fun that we've had. Thank you for the bull whip. <laughs> a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And uh, coming up next, I think Greg has some news for us in books on film and television. Books on film and television brought to you by Greg Ott. Greg the Book Guy. Follow me at Greg the Book Guy on Twitter. I just wanted to do that. Uh, I'm going to throw this one in really quickly. Guess, guess uh, Spider Man Turn Off the Dark is being sued. 
You know, <laughs> you're, okay, you're, that's just a like class action suit from all the fans. Um, no, one of the, the one of the investors is suing. All right, because they're they're not getting they're not getting their guaranteed money back. Apparently, yeah. there's some sort of fee to get the the theater back to the condition it was in the end. Yeah, it's costing them a lot of money to bubble wrap all their actors because <laughs> they keep breaking legs and getting, you know. Well, one of the agreements that you have when you rent a theater, apparently, is that you have to give them some sort of rider that you're going to... Damage deposit? Da- similar to a damage deposit. You go. basically have to guarantee that you're going to... Return it to the stage you found it. That yeah. you found it. So this particular investor invested the money to that they thought that it would take to restore it, and then that has since gone up. She invested the money back. She put more money in, and, and she's not getting it back, yeah. so... You promised us we were going to be like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah? All right. <laughs> that wasn't the oh, wow. But it was, it's, it's comical. Come on. It it he was also, it it was also like aiming a whip at us while he was saying, you're going to be like, oh, wow, when I do my books on film. <laughs> I'm saving the oh, wow one for the, for the end. The Girl okay. with the Dragon Tattoo has a really, really cool new trailer out. I, I, am, I, I mean, I wasn't the super hugest fan of the second and third book. Are Nine Inch Nails or Karen O involved? No. Shoot. No. It's, it's, it's longer than that, oh, yeah. and it goes into detail. I love this new, this new trailer. I'm so going to go watch this. First day, going to see it. I'm very, very interested. I think they're doing a better job of this than they did of the uh, original uh, non-English version. Yes. Swedish. Been there, done that. This is one of those ones I think they're doing right. Okay. Okay. So uh, check it out, Sony Pictures. Uh, there's a new trailer. Uh, there are two uh, projects racing to film for next year based on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And uh, Relativity, Relativity Media released that there's going to be called Mirror Mirror. That's the one that's going to have Lily Collins, uh, Julia Roberts. It's going to be pretty cool. They, both of these projects look really interesting. One's coming out three months prior to the other one. This one by Relativity, Relativity is going to be out uh, March 16th. I think the oh wow is next. <laughs> it's coming, folks. <laughs> uh, another in their uh, Daniel Craig movie news. Okay. The 23rd James Bond adventure is going to be called... I read this story, but I forget. But it's, right. I know it's not the Skyfall. Deaver book. Skyfall. 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 It's a shame it's not that Deaver book. That was a fun one. I thought it was going to be Deaver because it, had the, it yeah. had the train setting in India yeah. and everything yeah. like that. But yeah. no, nope, Skyfall. Skyfall. And it's going to be released in North America on November 9th, 2012. They're, they're being very... Uh, uh, complete opposite of all the other James Bond films where they released all the information. They're kind of going like the Steve Jobs Apple route on this one where we're getting only like little spits and spurts. Like, we, uh, the, it's the, what, the, the what back, is it? Well, background on M for starters... Uh, that much I've read, uh, and only that it's unconnected to the uh, other two films. I, I saw a yeah, press release on this though, and and he was introducing actors and saying, "Well, I can't tell you who he's playing, and I can't tell you who she's playing." Oh, and there's a couple of characters that we're just not going to announce because you know them from previous. Do we know Bond uh, who films? The script writer is yet for this one. I want. I'm hoping for Jaws. I want to see Jaws come back. <laughs> I want him to do like a 50th anniversary movie. That's like, I want to see Jaws, man. I want to see a cable cable car. Guy with big silver teeth biting the crap out of it. Right after, right beside Odd Job. <laughs> I want Goldfinger to come back. Just <laughs> a, a obnoxious British guy with a uh, with a Rolls Royce. Basically, this one's going to re- revolve around uh, M because M uh, M six M I six is coming under fire, and James Bond is going to have to basically save the the uh, division. Oh, so. okay. That's that's basically what they've released, and they have done. Uh, we've we've actually announced some casting, but they're not telling us what they're doing. They're just saying this actor is going to be similar, mm-hmm. similar to other movies that we've we've done. So there you go. There's my wow for the week. All right, James Bond, Skyfall, Skyfall. Looking forward to it, and uh, eventually, if, if we figure out who wrote it or what book it's based on, if it's based on a book at all, we'll uh, we'll let you folks know. Written by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. Ah. And John Logan. So this is an original. This could be an original screenplay, not based on uh, previous novel. It's a screenplay written by hmm. Neil Purvis, Robert. We don't know and John Logan. That's all. <laughs> doesn't well. say. No, doesn't say that it They're being very it. secretive yeah. on this uh, one. This could be good. Notably, not the screenwriter of the last film, who was Canadian-born, and I believe still lives in London, Ontario, whose name escapes me, but also wrote uh, Oscar-winning Crash. Uh, none of you guys. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you okay. know what I'm talking about. Yes. Was he also involved in that um, that movie, The Room? Yeah. With Tommy Wiseau? <laughs> no. No. No, I don't think he was that fortunate. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, guys. We are... Hey, that's it. Hey, Time for a wrap-up. What? Book next week? Book next week. All right. 
you got, I'm, I'm getting bumped. This is uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> getting bumped to next week. Uh, next week, we are trying to get Jill Edmondson. She's busy now with her book launch. Uh, she's going to come on and talk about her new book, The Lies Have It. And as soon as I load this up, I'm going to take a look here. Uh, next week, we also have Chris Malberg, author, and George Sirwa, author as well. Uh, two, two authors interviews next week. And the week after, on the uh, Sunday the 20th show, we have the Grammar Girl coming on. Chat, to, uh, chat with us about her new That's book. Awesome. It's going to be a lot hey, of fun. Didn't we have a uh, vegan black metal chef coming soon, too? <laughs> well, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to Mr. Manowitz. He was on the um, emergency broadcast system, and he did chat with us. So he is going to come on to the Paul the Book Guy when he's got more information about his uh, multimedia book, which he's uh, in the Love works it. on doing. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of fun. I, I can see that. I'll, I'll put that on my iPad. You know, Just have him pop up. Turning the plate, cutting the tofu, turning the plate, the cutting to- the tofu. The tofu cutting knife is the most hilarious thing. <laughs> I get such a kick. I'm so sorry I missed that EBS. Uh, it, it, the funny thing is he actually told me, uh, he told us that uh, the reason that he, he keeps repeating, I am turning the plate, cut the tofu, turn the plate, is because he does the audio afterwards. <laughs> Yeah. So he goes, damn, oh, I spent so much time in. turning the freaking plate and cutting the tofu. I had, and it just, you know, now it's a meme on the internet. He's you know. got to narrate his own yeah. action. So, lots of great guests coming up uh, next If he does couple that, weeks. then why does he, why does he, he has that one scene in there where he just swears. <laughs> <laughs> I think because he dropped everything on the floor. <laughs> uh, folks, uh, the music is playing and uh, the, we know, we know okay, what Okay, time for a fade out. Time for a fade out. See I am Paul week. Alves. I'm Chris Jager. I'm Greg Ott. See you next week, folks. Same book time. Same book Same channel. Paul, when you told me that the final chapter of The First Excellence was brilliant, that touched my heart. Thank you. Take that, Jimmy. Uh-